Welcome to Rise and Thrive. I am Charlie Kinch, Pastor Charlie Kinch. Um, This is a new podcast that we're offering Monday through Friday. Uh, So whether you are an early riser and you listen to us in the morning, or you're a night owl and you need something to listen to before you fall asleep, uh, hopefully I don't put you to sleep, uh, but we are going to bring you current topics, not just Christian topics, but just current topics that we can all apply to our everyday life. Um, yes, there are Christian themes and Christian thoughts, um, but hopefully you can gain something from this uh, no matter what. This first uh, topic that we're going to talk about over the next week or so um, is called keeping score. Um, when I was younger, <clears throat> hopefully like you as well, uh, my mother always told us to go outside and play. Uh, just for some context, I'm about 42 years old. I'll be 42 in July. Uh, so I grew up in the 80s, the 90s. And my mom always told us to go outside and play, uh, even if it was raining, um, no matter what type of weather. She was like, go outside and play, go outside and play. Um Unless, you know, of course, there was lightning. Then she she told us to stay inside. But we were always outside growing up. Uh, I loved playing basketball with friends, street hockey, uh, as long as the the cars, the traffic wasn't too heavy. Um, I played football with my friends. Uh, I played football with my friends because my mom wouldn't let me play football uh, for the com- the town community team, uh, I was too small, so she didn't let me. But I enjoyed playing football with my friends. And like all of these sports, whether you're playing outside with your friends uh, or with a team sport, we would always keep score. Specifically, when I was playing with my friends outside, we always kept two scores. One was determining the winner of whatever we were playing. And the other score that we kept was one that reminded the previous loser who won the last time we played. We would say, oh, I beat you last time. I beat you three times in a row. Oh, you never win. This is going to be an easy win for me today. We loved keeping score uh, no matter what it was. And don't we do that uh, in our daily lives? We love keeping score. Even as we get older, it doesn't even need to be a sport. We love keeping score. And what's worse is we don't let others forget who won last time, do we? So during this conversation of keeping score, I want you as a listener to be challenged to, to do two things. One, stop keeping score of the wins and losses in your life. And secondly, stop keeping score or a tally of who owes you. Again, um, hopefully this is something you can uh, put in practice in your life. Um, I also want to invite you to lose count lose count during a lot of those games growing up 
we lost count for various reasons, right? Uh, be it cars stopping in the street when we played street hockey, um, maybe bathroom breaks, maybe bad weather, maybe the phone rings inside the house and you have to go inside to, to answer it. And it's my mom saying, did you finish your homework? And you lie and say, yeah, we finished homework. We're outside playing. And then you rush to do it before she gets home. We lost count all the time of who was keeping score and what the score was. And a lot of times we argued about that. We we said, oh, it's five to two. Or no, it's 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 tied three three. We never fully had the accurate score. So I, I encourage you to lose count. Lose count of the things done to you. We need to forgive as Christ called us to forgive. So I encourage you to lose count of what you've been given or what you have given to others and what you expect back in in return. A lot of times we think everything should be transactional because that's the world we live in, right? I give you money, you give me a product. I give you time, you give me attention. So lose count of what you've given to others and what you expect back in return. And I also encourage you to lose count of your failures, your own failures, and rest secured in God's grace and sovereignty. I think we need to give, just in general, ourselves a break, don't we? Life is filled with failure. You're not always going to be perfect. You're not always going to be on point. You're not always going to be 100%. Lose track of your failure. That doesn't mean forget your failure because they can be learning points in your life, not to do them again, maybe to try something a little different. But we don't always have to keep count of our failures. So I, I want to dive a little deeper into losing count today. Specifically in regards to what others have done to us. And again, I want to encourage you to freely give. Just as God has uh, freely given to us, I encourage you to freely forgive. Just as God has forgiven us. It can be very tough to do forgiveness it can be very tough for uh, someone to forgive someone who has hurt you especially if it's fresh and it's new but I encourage you to forgive those who have wronged you and if it's safe to do so reach out to them reach out to them in love reach out to them in grace but I caveat that with saying only if it's safe. And I highlight that because you and I know that in this world, there are some instances where it can be unsafe to reach out to someone who has hurt you. And in those situations, you can always forgive and just let go. But I want to dive a little deeper into um, some scripture reading from Matthew 18 verse 21. 
Peter asks Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times? And Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times. You know, for a lot of us, seven times might be seven too many. <laughs> I know some people in my life that they have a hard time forgiving anyone for anything. So for some of us, seven times might be seven too many. Three was a magical number or seemed to be somewhat of a magic number for them back then. Uh, within ancient Jewish contexts, uh, extending forgiveness three times was sufficient for them uh, to show a gracious spirit. Are we sure uh, they didn't have baseball back then? Um, three times, they used three a lot. Uh, three strikes and you're out. Maybe that's where the phrase came from. Uh, but when Peter comes to Jesus, <laughs> I digress. When Peter comes to Jesus uh, with this question and he offers uh, seven times forgiveness, he probably thought he was being rather generous, uh, specifically because, again, back then, three times was sufficient. So he was offering seven times. That's like leaving the, uh, the baseball game at the seventh inning stretch. <laughs> but Jesus says, no, not seven times, 77 times. Now, does this mean that after 77 times, someone uh, who wrongs you or me, that we have no more forgiveness if we've gone up to 77 times? Obviously, and of course, no. First of all, if someone is counting who has wronged you and they get up to 76 times, they need a hobby. Uh, I know people have wronged me in my life. I know I have wronged others in their life. And I'm hoping that they don't keep score of how many times I've wronged them. Um, because I don't do the same. I don't count how many times someone has wronged me or has done something wrong to me. Jesus is using this exaggerated example, this exaggerated number, to demonstrate that forgiveness has no limits. Forgiveness has no limits. And it's at this moment that I believe, though it's not in Scripture, that Peter kind of tilts his head like, the way maybe a dog would when when he's confused. <laughs> maybe that's a poor example. But uh, Jesus gives Peter and everyone listening this other example. Uh, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23, he compares the kingdom of heaven to a king settling accounts with his servants, right? Uh, Jesus uses the example of a servant who owes the king. 10,000 bags of gold, he says. Um, not $10,000, uh, not 10,000 gold coins, but 10,000 bags of gold. What size are these bags? Uh, how many pieces of gold fit in each bag? Uh, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Uh, we may never know, or at least I haven't figured out how many how much these 10,000 bags of 
gold in this example would, would be worth back then. We don't necessarily know, but all we know is that this is a lot of money, right? In this example, it's like Scrooge McDuck swimming in a large tower of gold money, which by the way, you can't do. Never try swimming in gold coins like Scrooge McDuck. It's a hard, solid form of matter. Uh, you'll break every bone in your body if you dive into that. Uh, but again, Jesus once again is exaggerating a number, an example to demonstrate his point, right? Uh, which is, if we are comparing this debt to anything, it would equate to how much sin that we have. This king, in his example, starts to order that the servant's family, his wife and children, be sold off to repay this debt, this debt of 10,000 bags of coin. And the servant, at this point, gets on his knees. He pleads and he begs for patience from the king, and he assures the king that he will pay back everything. I ask you, have you ever gotten to the point in your life when you're on your knees pleading and begging God, begging our king, maybe trying to cut deals with God, when we should be asking God to be patient with us, even though God already does? So this king in this story takes pity on the servant and he forgives his debts. He cancels them out. But then the same servant that just had his debt canceled, this servant runs into a fellow servant who owes him a hundred silver coins. Just a hundred silver coins. Much smaller than the 10,000 bags of gold, right? And this servant who just had his own debt forgiven runs into this servant who owes him a hundred silver coins and he begins to choke him over a hundred silver coins. And he screamed at this man, pay me back, pay me back. The servant does the same thing that the other servant did. He pleads and begs while he's on his knees and he says, be patient with me, I'll pay you back. Again, mind you, this is over a hundred silver coins. When this servant who couldn't even pay back his own debt owed 10,000 bags of gold, he's squabbling over a hundred silver coins. You would think that for someone who was just cleared of all of his debt, he'd be more gracious to this other servant over this much smaller amount of debt. This servant is so generous that he refuses. Uh, this servant is so generous that he has the man thrown into prison over this hundred silver coin debt. And the forgiveness of the king in this story is incredible. He, he finds out about what this servant did. And he hears what this servant did, and he brings him back. He brings him back. 
Matthew 18, verse 32, the king calls the servant in and he lays down the hammer. The king calls the servant wicked. The king reminds him of what he did for the servant. Not because he feels he's owed anything, but he does it to remind this servant how he should have treated those who owed himself. And the king uncancels this servant's 10,000 bags of gold worth of debt. He uncancels the servant debt. He has him thrown in prison as well as tortured until he can repay everything back. So Jesus tells Peter and everyone listening this story. And he warns Peter. He warns them. He warns us. In verse 35 of Matthew chapter 18. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, is Jesus saying that God will throw us into prison? Is Jesus saying that God will torture us if we don't pay all of our sins? Obviously not. Our sins have already been paid for by Jesus Christ himself. We may have some discomfort with the notion of God's judgment of those who don't forgive others. We might be thinking, doesn't God forgive no matter what the offense? And yes, that's the point, right? That's the point of all of this. God has forgiven the worst parts of us, 10,000 bags of gold worth and counting. But in God's forgiveness, God calls us to do the same. Why don't we do the same? Especially when compared to what God has forgiven, the worst someone can ever do to us in our eyes, in God's eyes, is 10, or excuse me, 100 silver coins worth. Just as God let us go of this massive offense of our sin, that we've committed against him. We are called to let go of the offenses committed against us. In other words, our forgiveness of others is rooted in God's grace and mercy. Because forgiveness is central to our Christian faith, we must lose count of the offenses against us, forgive 77 times, if not 78, 79, 80, and counting. And for us, this means actively letting go of grudges, actively letting go of offenses that we're holding on to. It means spending time in prayer, asking God for the ability to forgive. And again, if it's safe to do so, and again, I caution this highly, only if it's safe, reach out to that person um, and forgive them in person. You don't understand, unless you've ever done it, how powerful confronting someone who has wronged you and telling them you forgive them and fully forgiving them, you don't understand, unless you've actually done it, how much 
liberating that is. Again, this can be tough to do. Um, I have to work on it myself. Um, just a, a backstory. I won't get into too much detail. Um, but a few years ago, I was taken against my will and I was sexually assaulted. Again, I'm not going to go into detail. That's not important. Um, that's my own story. But I'm still currently working on that forgiveness. And it's not pretty. Um, but again, I'm, I'm trying to be honest and transparent with you as the listener. Because it could be easy for me to, to tell you, uh, to quote scripture... That God says to forgive, and we should forgive. Jesus gives this example of forgiven not seven times, but 77 times. And he gives this example of this king, how he forgave his servant. And the servant should have done the same thing to the other servant that the king did for him. It's easy for me to, to share that and say, because of this, you should forgive. But being transparent and honest, I, as a pastor, as a human being, have the same struggle that you have, have the same uh, wrestling in my own mind of how do I forgive someone who's done something so horrible to me? But that's something I'm working through. And hopefully one day I will be able to forgive that person, that situation. Obviously not in person. Um, I won't do that in person. Um, but yeah, it's something that we need to work towards. Because though someone may have wronged you, and maybe their wrong may seem immeasurable, insurmountable, maybe you feel like, You've been owed something because of that hurt and because of that pain. We need to remember the insurmountable debt that Christ paid for you and for me on the cross. So as we close today's podcast, I encourage you to lose count. Lose count of the hurt. Lose count of what someone has done to you so that you can move forward with a, a clean slate. This is Pastor Charlie Kinch and this has been Rise and Thrive. We will see you later. Have a great day.